because I was very involved in the community, every time that I would put out some of my art, people would look at it and laugh at it because they would be like, what is this? You know, like, this is not professional work. And I'm like, I should have been listening a little bit more to my gut and say, Fabio, you're enjoying this. You do it because you have fun. Who cares about everything else? Hi, I'm Fabio Palvelli, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G-U-double-T. Hi, everyone. Maria here, and welcome to season two of Gut Talks, double G-U-double-T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design, and gut feelings. I'm Maria designer, strategist, and venture builder running GUT, WGUWT, a design and innovation hub. I decided to launch GUT Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board, and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me. Maria at God.com, W-G-U-T, or check the links in the show notes. If you haven't noticed, there are no sponsors for the show, but you can still support God Talks, and it's super easy. Just leave a five-star review and a comment, and follow our social media channels on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get started. Fabio, you're an architect by background and you are the co-founder of D2 Conferences that is all about architectural visualization. And you're also a YouTuber. And what you also do is you help artists and designers master the business side of design. As we said, artists and people who are focusing on 3D visualization and so on to you know do what they like and make money out of it in a certain way. And Hopefully. at the moment, <laughs> and at the moment... Actually, for the last year, you've been heavily involved with NFTs. But, you know, that's the crazy thing, that it feels like we've been doing this for 10 years. For and, an eternity, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to explain you why later on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased, uh, actually, to have you here, Fabio, because we met a few years ago at a conference, Digital Design Days here in Milan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we stayed in touch and you're based in Switzerland at the moment. You're always roaming, yes. so which is awesome, actually, <laughs> discovering when, different When places. we met, I used to live in, uh, in Tel Aviv. Yeah, cool. So, Fabio, who are you? Who am I or how am I? Well, how are you first? I'm okay. I'm really, really happy that, to be here on your show and uh, to have the chance to catch up after so long. The other question, who am I? I'm Fabio Palvelli. I'm a designer, I'm a 3D artist, and um, I work, I have a little company, I do events where we mainly focus on digital design. I come from the field of architectural visualization, so this is something that I started out with. Now this conference that we organize, it's uh, more for digital design in general, it's called the D2 Conference in Vienna, and I also work as a consultant for design companies, mainly architectural visualization, architects and digital designers. I help them with the marketing, positioning, 
and all that kind of stuff. You started out after, you know, your studies, if you're in architecture, you started out working in social media, right? So this helped yeah, you. Yeah, so this was one of the first things that I started to do. It was by chance I opened up a blog. I don't think that people remember it. It was called 3D Dreaming. And this blog was very popular amongst architecture students. And these allowed me to start creating small workshops where I would teach or I would invite people to teach things like uh, software, 3D, Photoshop, uh, Illustrator, what, whatever it was that people were looking for in uh, small workshops. And so uh, that slowly evolved into what it is, the D2 conference today. And you're still doing it today. And you also have actually a YouTube channel. Yes. So you had the blog, then you also moved into YouTube. How did you start with that? This is a really like it's a snake type of story. It's very contorted, you know, because it's I started out actually in YouTube in 2009, but I failed. It's not that I failed. It's just that at the time, YouTube did not make any sense. You know, I would take a camera and I would go and talk to drunk people in London in the morning that were you know, partying, just because as part of my education in architecture, we were doing a lot of filming. We had a couple of teachers. One was an artist that was encouraging us to make videos. And I did, I made like three or four videos. I should really try and, and look for them because they were, I don't know, funny. Anyway, this was something that it's from the past. And I tried many times to make videos and to make content. And in 2016, I think, or 17, I don't remember, probably 16, I started to share my life on video making vlogs, just like Casey Neistat. And the topic of architectural visualization, because this was my job, came up. And so people were asking questions. And so I started to share my own personal experience. And then as I progressed, I started to make little interviews with people and this whole thing actually ended up becoming a job because people would call me and say we are starting out a company we have a little bit of money and we would like to do it in the right way can you help us and so I would come and teach them everything that I knew about the business side of architecture visualization. And it's still something that I'm doing today. Like tomorrow I have a two days consultation with a client in India. Can you explain a little bit of what kind of consultation you're doing with your 3D visualizations? So uh, mainly it's basically break down the way a business work. And so we talk about many things, diversification, how you scale a business, processes, quality assurance, okay. all this kind of stuff that many artists don't think about. Even architects, you know, if, if you start the process of opening an architecture office, you might think, okay, it's enough for me to know how to make a building for me to get a client. Well, not quite, you know, there is... Yeah. Because society has changed, we... Knowing how to do the job, it's not enough anymore. People want to know who it is that they're working with. And so, you know, a big player in, in this is social media. What do you do with your image? How do you create a brand? How do you make a blueprint for something that can grow 
in a sustainable way over a period of say 10, 15, 20 years, right? Because a business nowadays, that's the length that more or less has. It's interesting that starting off sharing what you're doing on a daily basis and sharing your life, you found kind of this trigger and this validation coming from people who were requesting to know more about what you do and identifying themselves to you. So in a certain way, did you trust your gut into saying, okay, that's what I want to do. This is where I'm going to be for <laughs> moment? Actually, I have to say that uh, this whole idea of trusting your gut, it's something that I'm getting a little bit more familiar with right now because my entire life I basically realized that I was very insecure and I was relying very much on the opinion that other people had of me and eventually the beautiful thing that happened because of COVID and everything is that I started to see a lot of people from the industry doing things the wrong way and basically I was really fighting my own like perception of what was right because I was basing myself on what the others were doing and not what it felt right in my own gut, you know, going back to the gut talk. And so, you know, like when the crisis hit and I saw other businesses doing things um, in a certain way, I thought to myself, okay, um, maybe I cannot really rely on the knowledge that I thought was the right one. I need to trust myself a little bit more. And by doing that, I was actually able to adjust whilst other businesses were, you know, suffering. That's not a good thing to say, because of course, I did not want to have anybody suffering. But you know, like this was a time, a eureka time when I realized actually, my experience and what I know and my understanding of how things work, they might be better than the other people that I thought were more knowledgeable than, than me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes you're like, you know, you wish you knew things before. And sometimes yeah. when other people tell you, no, that's, I suggest you do that. And then you don't listen, especially when you're a kid. And then you realize, okay, they were right. <laughs> you know, some things... Um, can but happen. in a way, you know, now going back to that, because, you know, like this is stuff that I think about constantly. I do think that it's so important to let people make their own mistakes, especially yeah. kids, because like creativity really is a the ability to make it through endless mistakes until something good comes out, you know, if you think about it. And so... You know, this is something that, for instance, I don't know if you noticed, but I took a break from making videos. It's been like six, seven months. And this is because I'm trying to regrouping a little bit because I felt that some of the messages that I was sharing with my community carried a little bit of judgment in it. And I've noticed that when during the time of the pandemic and the crisis, people started to judge me for doing things that others were not doing. 
And so I was like, okay, so this is how judgment works, right? And so I don't know how we got to talk about this stuff, but anyway, it's a good thing because I, I felt like I had to, to put it out there. Look, I totally agree actually with the fact that everyone needs to figure out their own mistakes, screw up a little bit, because this is how you learn and this is how you remember and this is how you discover yeah. and you find what works for you. But another thing, you know, talking about creativity, boredom is a great thing when you see yes. kids, when you see parents following them all the time, not allowing them, you know, giving them time to breathe. Out of need and boredom, you can create stuff. And I think this is the story of many people also during the pandemic. Lots of people started doing this also. And I uh, discovered some NFT artists just by doing some research that uh, had no clue about, let's say, 3D visualization four months before they got started. And it just shows you that lots of things are possible. Now, I'm not talking about the art itself, because this is, you know, you let this... It's personal, yeah. Yeah, but just get started and get going. What is it that got you into NFTs? Because you come from a 3D visualization background. You didn't work in architecture, like directly on sites, but you work at a no. conceptual level. Uh, yes, or a marketing level also. Yeah. So first, what are NFTs for you? So NFT stands for non-fungible token, and it's basically a token which authenticity is backed up by the blockchain. So it's like owning a digital asset. To give you an example, it's like Bitcoin. More or less everybody knows what a Bitcoin is. But instead of having a fungible value, so like, you know, you can exchange a Bitcoin for dollars or for euros, the NFT, it's a document. And so you can imagine a $100 bill that instead of being a $100 bill, it's a contract that authentifies anything. It can be a house, it can be a car, it can be a piece of art. And music, so, games, anything. It, like it can be anything. Music. Actually, you know, I heard a couple of days ago that for the very first time, an artist has sold via NFTs a million copies of his album becoming the fastest platinum artist on the planet. And so this is it's a technology that allows to move goods around in a faster way. And then, of course, you know, there is people have to understand that if the good has a certain different materiality to it, like, you know, if it's a house, of course, you're not moving the house, but you're moving the contract a lot faster, right? than if you were to go to a lawyer and all that. So, you know, this is a technology that allows for things to be exchanged, things that are important. For instance, you know, you can now buy a watch via NFT. I can give you an example. I recently bought a uh, Rolex watch and this watch has been now because of the fact that they have to prove it and, you know, that they have to look at it. And it's taking more than two weeks to be shipped, you know, with the NFT, theoretically, this should not happen because you have all the data ready to go. And within 10 minutes, you should get the confirmation that the watch has been sold. And so there are actually quite a few entrepreneurs that are now thinking to use NFTs for watches. They're doing it for pieces of art. If you want to buy a Banksy or if you want to buy a Picasso and with the NFT, you actually have the opportunity to then lend your collection digitally to museums. 
And it's very interesting, you know, it's something that it's happening at a speed that a lot of people cannot even keep up. I mean, myself, I'm in it and I sweat, you know, when (laughs) I get new information and, uh, and I feel like it's very much misunderstood still. Like a lot of people have the wrong information. They don't really know what it is that they're talking about, but that's okay. You know, you just have to allow for people to wrap their heads around it. I remember in 2012, I was offered for a job that I had to be paid 600 bucks. And the person that wanted to give me the money said, listen, I have three Bitcoins. They're currently valued at 900 bucks. Can we do that instead of the money? And I was like, you're crazy. What is this? I don't need that. Give me the money. Today, they will be worth 180 grand. Yeah, that's, I think you can hear the church bells, but I'm, I'm just keeping that for now in the podcast because everyone likes them. Uh, so, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you're touching on when you say buying, it's the concept of ownership and people are owning. And when you own something, you kind of have an influence somehow, right? Because you can make a decision and so on. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's being shaped, I guess, in a um, certain sense. Look, I also try to put an NFT out there because there's like a piece of, you know, collage I created, digital collage and whatever. But there's one thing. I think if you create an NFT and you want to be involved in the field, you need to be on top of it. So you can't just put it and just like let it be, right? Especially if you're a no one. Like for me, it's I'm not a renowned artist or anything like that. So how how has your experience been so far? How did you get started? So it would be a mistake to think that it's easier now for artists to sell their art, you know, like you always have to think in terms of a business. What is it that I'm selling and why are people getting any value out of it? Now, there was a period where February and March 2021, where it was not clear what this was. And so a lot of people with quite big Ethereum wallets were buying everything. And I was lucky enough to be in that first wave where I was able to sell quite a bunch of art because people were just, you know, like, let's get to it before other come and the price goes up. Slowly, slowly, this went down because, of course, you know, like, if there is no other utility other than art, you're basically owning a work that you could do for, I don't know, an agency or something. So it doesn't really have that big of a value. There are quite a few projects that give you access to very exclusive perks. Like for instance, you know, if you bought into the um, Board Ape Yacht Club, you would have the the opportunity to go to dinners for free or to um, uh, parties where celebrities go all that kind of stuff. If you think about it, you know, this is for some people important, right? Especially if you live in a city like New York or Los Angeles, where you're trying, you know, to get into the business, owning something like that has a lot of value. And, you know, when they first came out, these NFTs, they only costed 0.08 Ethereum, which was like, I want to say at the time it was like 120 bucks or something. And now 
the floor price, it's probably around 130, 150,000 with some of them that sold even for like a few millions. It's crazy, you know, but some of the owners of these NFTs are Snoop Dogg. I think Kevin Hart has some, quite a few celebrities own these. And, you know, it can happen that you go to a an event and those celebrities are actually there representing you know for the club ad break no not an ad but as you may have noticed this show has no sponsors but you can still support dot talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player and like share and follow the social media channels of gut g u t all links are in the show notes now let's get going I'm just wondering, for how many sleepless nights did you have after Bitcoin started going up after missing on those three Bitcoins? Well, that's that's not the first time that I actually screwed up with Bitcoin. There was a time where I sold my Bitcoin for around 5,000 and literally the day after it went up to 20,000. And I did the most stupid thing that a man could do. I bought, again, the Bitcoin when it was at 20,000 because I was like, okay, it's going to go up again. And then it crashed. And so it's like I ended up losing a lot of money. And because of that, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to keep away from crypto until the NFTs came back. And then I got a little bit more of an understanding what it means to trade, what it means to hold a coin, what it means to sell. It's a world on its own, put it this way. Is it something you want to focus on for a while? Or is it something you're just experimenting with at the moment? Or you don't know yet? I honestly have no idea. Like for now, the, the only reason why I'm making these NFTs and I continue working as an artist is because I honestly love making art like i read it on a meme today that art is the only way to get away without leaving the house it's so true you know like this is what art is for me so it's a moment where i don't have to think about the bills i don't have to think about the shitty weather outside i don't have to think about anything i'm just creating and so in november last year I wanted to make this bet with myself where I said, I'm going to try and make one artwork per day for one year. And I got off to a rocky start and then I really committed towards the end of December, but I'm doing it like I've been doing it now almost for a year that I've, I've been making one artwork per day. And so when the NFT came, I was like, this is perfect. You know, I'm doing it. I'm going to put them out there and see what happens. And I did build a little following of people that, you know, liked the stuff that I was doing. I put it out there. Some people bought it. So it was a nice thing. But then it really started to kick in in, um, I think, May, when I started to work together with some collectors. Because then, you know, collectors came into the game and said, okay, what is it that we can do to create cool projects? And I have to say that this has been a little bit more fulfilling for me personally. And I know that artists probably will disagree with that because working with a collector, it's a little bit like working with a client. And so for me, it's it's a good place to be, you know, because I know what clients want. I know how to talk to them to understand what it is that they're trying to achieve. And so, you know, that kind of stuff came at the right place at the right time. 
And now I'm still working with collectors. We're working on different collections. And I'm curious to see what the future will bring. Interesting. So first question, let's go a little bit into art. How do you do one piece of art a day? Like what's your process? How do you get started? How do you do it in like one day? So I work mainly with 3D, but I do a lot of like, I call it synthetic art. It's when I take a picture and then I use samples of the images to create abstract art. If I have the time, I then take that abstract art into Blender and I create 3D animations or even like deeper artworks in terms of like three-dimensional because I like to look at things that have perspective. It's, you know, maybe it's because I'm an architect. And so I try to include different tools in my process so that the process is optimized. And actually some of the sketches, I make them on my phone. Wow. Okay. Do you film your process and so on? Do you stick that on I YouTube? I don't no? because I, I tried and it's, it takes too long. Okay. So if, if I want to make an artwork per day, I cannot. But when I'm done with this bet, which I'm doing with myself, most likely I'm going to slow down the pace of the art that I put out there. And I'm going to try and make a little bit more breakdowns and behind the scenes so that people can see. I mean, why not? So can you share a little bit your experience to date? As we're recording this, we're in November 2021. Um, just saying that for, you know, when the episode gets released. How has it been? What did you learn? What are some of the mistakes you think you could have avoided? Creating NFTs, working with collectors, putting them out there on different platforms, interacting with the community, building a community around this, like everything that, you know, you can share. Well, you know, again, I'm still learning. Like this is all brand new. And so some people have figured out some stuff, but I can promise you that the majority were still sort of like taking stabs in the dark to see what works and what doesn't. Myself, I have to say that I just regret the fact that I found myself a little bit too late into this moment because NFTs are actually, you know, they, they've been used for a while now. And there were some artists that were already publishing work there. Going back to your question, we also catch up a little bit with the first part of the, the interview. I wish I trusted my guts a little bit more because for the entire time that I was working in the field of architectural visualization, because I was very involved in the community, every time that I would put out some of my art, people would look at it and laugh at it because they will be like, what is this? You know, like this is not professional work. And I'm like, I should have been listening a little bit more to my gut and say, Fabio, you're enjoying this. You do it because you have fun. Who cares about everything else? And I just wish that I did that a little bit more. So that was before, right? When Yeah, that doing... was like, since I started to work as an archivist artist, I've always been interested in art my entire life. I started to paint when I was 13. You know, I would do graffitis and I would get caught and I would get punished. But I did my entire life. And um, there was actually a time in my life where, you know, I put it into my art all the time, which is from the age of 10 to the age of 18, 
where my parents did not want me to go to art school. And so, you know, like I don't blame them because I know that they had my best interest at, at heart, but doing art was really what I wanted to do. And for my parents, this was not a good thing because at the art school, people were smoking marijuana. <laughs> okay. How much society has changed. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, and you have those stereotypes, right? That artists are like sometimes, unfortunately. And then when you get to the real thing and you see it's not true, like, you know, what I what people think of it is not always the case, you know. And so I guess you're enjoying yourself right now with NFTs, right? You're oh, I'm having fun. a blast. I'm having like the best time. It brings different types of problems and issues, the, the NFT world. Because you're not dealing with like deadlines and, you know, like silly requests, some silly people. You're dealing more with like personal issues, like, am I good enough? Is what I'm doing good enough? All those uncertainties that artists have, you know. But you're working with a collector. So how is it different than working with a client? Like, is he or she creating the brief? Like, how is it? Um, no, the collector, with... at least in my experience, the collector comes to you because they saw your work, they know your story, and they just think, how can I bring you to a new audience? How can I bring your story to some other people? And so it's more a work of like coordination. What do you think if we do this? What do you think? It's more like a collaboration. Whereas with clients, when you work with clients, clients say, I have this idea and you have to make it for me. And so oftentimes what we end up doing is working for clients is spending a lot of time trying to figure out what it is that clients want. And sometimes, you know, this happens because the client doesn't know what they want. You know, they just come and they, they expect you to do. It's a harsh thing to say, but they expect you to do their work especially in the field of architectural visualization, for instance, when they don't even have a design, they just have a sketch made with a pen and they say, yeah, yeah design a 10-story building. And so it's like, okay, you want me to design or you just want me to visualize it? Because there is a, a big difference. I think it's common things, you know, to design, even designing a business, you know, I want to do this, but then you have everything that comes with it. Why, you know, what's your value proposition? Why would people come to you who you're serving? So yeah, I get what you're saying here. Um, how is the community, by the way, in the NFT space? The community, it's very supportive, but it's also fierce because everybody is trying to, to sell, you know, and I think that Probably this is one of the false promises that people should be careful with is that it's not because you're going to get into NFTs that you're going to sell, right? There is for every successful artist that is selling something, there are hundreds of thousands of people that struggle, that they are not able to sell, not even a piece. And to be honest with you, like if I did not make the decision to work with collectors instead of doing it on my own, I would probably be struggling too, because it is really difficult. Now, you know, working with collectors, you'll make exponentially less money, like a lot less, because, you know, the collection, it's not yours, it's theirs, they curate it. But it's the same thing when you work with galleries, if you're an artist, you know, like, There are galleries that take up to 85% of your commission when you sell a painting. 
and rightfully so i have to say because you know like these people they have to go to the gallery every single day a piece might stay in the shop for a whole year you know they have to handle it packaging it moving it around they have to invite people to see the collection i'm happy to do that with collectors to give them part of the profits so that they can take care of the sales on our behalf i want to focus on art i don't want to focus on the business i do that for you know business clients yes that we discussed uh, early on actually because you feel you're in your element you're a digital artist actually so you've always been working with art but obviously you like art you like going to museums also and so on so how do you see the future of galleries of physical art and how are artists who are not into nfts reacting to this you know there is always with everything right when smartphones came out people yeah. were like oh, what is this we don't need that right and i was one of them you know i remember looking at an iphone tell uh, saying it's stupid it has a screen it doesn't have buttons you know and it's like but actually it's all this looking back and seeing on what i missed out that made me want to jump into nfts because i was like no this one i'm not going to miss out I want to be part of it and I want to understand it. So I guess that you know like everybody should do what they think is the right thing to do. You cannot impose anything on anyone. If we look at what is happening now post pandemic, the way people have become, you know, that they don't want to I'm talking for everybody, maybe I'm making a mistake here, but you know like I've had the feedback making the conference that a lot of people they were like yeah you know what maybe it's okay if we just watch something from home and we don't go to a conference in uh, in vienna and so things like the metaverse i don't know if you heard it yeah, zuckerberg yeah, making yeah. the giving you the opportunity of now being in a sort of like immersive reality in your own home with an headset that gives you sort of like a digital real experience of what it's like to be in a conference most likely our business is going to be affected also like you know the business of the conference because maybe people don't want to go to the real thing anymore they want to stay home you know like we always joke because with artists everyone is pale because they spend 15 hours in front of a screen and so they get the radiations on their <laughs> on their face a lot of the artists that i know they're not really interested in people they're just interested in knowing how to make better art how to be able to sustain themselves doing that and they don't really care about hanging out with people in real life of course you know i don't want to generalize but there are people that do that and in the communities where things like nfts and uh, the metaverse get discussed you'd be surprised to to see that the biggest percentage of people think that this is how the future it's going to look like everything it's going to be digital we are not going to really exist in uh, in the physical world which to me as i'm saying this I feel a little bit like scared, you know, because it's like what are you talking about? I love to go and see people and 
have dinner with friends and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's another thing that we have to understand is that, I mean, I'm 39. How long am I going to still walk on this earth? You know, it's like another 40, 50 years if I'm lucky. Then afterwards, newer generations, younger generations are going to come and they're going to be different. They will want to have different things. So, you know, this is not for me to accept. I just need to make an effort to understand it. And it's okay if it doesn't fit what I want. It's the world is not going to be mine to have, you know. But you can create your own through your art. That's another <laughs> thing, you know. And, and actually, I would say this is a great time for 3D artists because when the metaverse will kick in and every company will have digital assets, they won't have enough 3D art to supply for all the, the things that need to be created. Actually, that's a good uh, call to action for anyone interested in 3D and so on. Like, it's true, it's your time. Actually, it's interesting. You made a very good statement with regards to the D2 conference that actually the feedback you've been receiving is that people are asking if they can stream it from home. Yeah. At the same time, you have people who can't wait to go back to conferences and so on. So I think, yeah, there is this massive, I'm not going to say split, but I think people will start even us, you know, making priorities. Where do I want to go physically and where do I want to work from home or do something from home? And we don't know, even for businesses, there are many choices that will have to be made. So I'm enjoying this conversation because we're talking about so many different things. My question to you is, where can we find you and your art? Oh, I'm going to um, be putting all the links, but if you just can share them with voice too. If you Google Fabio Palvelli, you will find everything online. I'm, you know, I've shared my entire life for about five years online with everybody. You'll find videos, you'll find uh, stuff on Instagram. And, you know, like if anyone has questions and they want to find out a little bit more about this kind of stuff, I usually try to talk to everybody. Do not consider me to be an expert in the field of NFTs. You know, I have to be honest, I'm still figuring out a lot of this stuff myself. But of course, you know, if I can do anything to help you getting started, uh, why not? Um, I'll be happy to do that. Thank you for sharing this. So I'll put all the links in the description. And one last thing from you, actually two things, if there's anything you would like to add. And the other one is just some recommendations for someone who wants to get started with 3D visualizations and or NFT art. So I would say anyone who wants to start out with 3D, do the donut tutorial of uh, Blender Guru. That's like everybody goes through that. I did it too. And if you want to get started with NFTs, just bear in mind that this is a place in time where everything seems to be moving super fast. And so you can easily get frustrated because you're going to start surrounding yourself with people who make sales every day. They sell something, they sell an artwork, and you're going to see them making a lot of money. You do not know their story. So, you know, like, be aware of that. I get messages from people telling me, my art is so much better than the one of this person. Why do, do I not sell? You don't know what it is that this person has done for them to be selling the art the, the way that they are. You got to be patient. You got to be smart. You got to know where to look. You know, if it's not the art that is the problem, then ask yourself questions. And again, you got to be patient. That's the, the main thing, you know, like do understand that 
for instance, in my case, I've been doing this for almost 15 years, being a designer, and it still feels like I'm trying to figure out things. So, you know, it's like you really have to pace yourself and you have to be patient and you have to understand that, you know, your time will come. I'm still waiting for mine. So <laughs> cool. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Fabio. It was great to have you on Gut Talks. All the links will be in the description. And if anyone has any questions, follow Fabio to learn more about digital art, 3D visualizations, and NFTs, if you're interested. Maria, thanks a lot for having me. This is the end of this episode with Fabio Palvelli. We spoke about his journey as a 3D artist, but had an interesting deep dive on NFTs and art and things about the world of NFTs and what he's been up to and some learnings. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.